Welcome back, my real wellness friend. Glad that you are here learning all about intuitive eating. And today we're talking about the W. What do you really want? And I promised that I would finish my donut story for you. So let's dive into it. You want to transform your life, to take care of your body, to strengthen your mind. And you want to do it in a way that fits your real lifestyle. Real wellness is for you. I'm Sherry Traxler, a transformation mentor, national speaker, and author. And I'm here to help you unlock your capacity to be, do, and have all you want. Join me every week for the proven principles and the strategies that actually work in your real life. It is so exciting that you are here investing in yourself today. Pat yourself on the back. This is where you belong. Welcome to Real Wellness. Before we dive into this, I've got to celebrate. I am so excited. This is episode 50, you all. This is this is a milestone. Oh my gosh. And the fact that we're talking about intuitive eating, one of the foundational, critical, most important things that we could talk about during episode 50. Oh, I'm just, I'm on cloud nine. Okay, let's keep going. So I left off the donut story with, I really thought there was something wrong with me because I was eating all these donuts in the break room, turned out as I looked through the journal that, oh, it's because I was running two a days, morning and night, and eating about 1,200 calories. But even as an adult, knowing that, I still thought there was something about me with donuts. I thought there was still this hang-up that maybe I had no control over them. It's like, oh, it's anything else I can say no to or I can say stop, but donuts, that just must be the thing. So when I was getting certified as an intuitive eating counselor, one of the things that we learn in that training is you cannot take someone where you've not been. Doesn't mean you have to have experienced every single thing, but if I'm really, really, really struggling on something and I have a mental block about it, it's going to be very hard for me to help somebody else get free in that area. I decided I wanted to make sure I no longer had a thing about donuts. So I went to the store and I bought, if you are from the South and you know what Krispy Kreme donuts are, they are, in, in what most people say, they are the best. They are amazing. So I went and I got two Krispy Kreme donuts, specifically jelly-filled because that was my go-to as a college student. Well, yeah, because I needed the sugar hit. Anyway, I digress. I get these donuts, and I am getting the first one. I think it was a blueberry. And I bit into it, and I thought, huh, that's not what I remember. I thought, well, maybe it'll just take me a few bites to warm up to it. So I took the next bite. I'm like, no, that's still not doing it for me. I'll cut to the chase on this. After going through several bites of the blueberry, and I think the other one was lemon-filled, I realized I don't like them. They taste like sugar-coated cardboard. Blech. So I realized that was true to me. Other people, if you love donuts, go for it. No problem. That's not a thing about that. But for me, it really solidified it was the sugar and the fat I was craving because of the dieting and, the, and all the extra running coupled with that. It wasn't the donut itself. It wasn't that... I have no control over me, that I'm so weak that I have to have all these donuts. Because remember, dieting decreases your trust with yourself. 
said it last time, I'll say it again, and I'll say it again. It lowers self-esteem, it lowers self-regard, it lowers self-confidence, regardless of weight, that active dieting itself does that. And today we're going to talk about the W. H is hunger. W is what do you really want? It is being able to listen to your taste buds, to your brain, to your body, and go, what is it that I'm really craving? What is it I truly, really want? And the really is a really important word that we're going to talk about. And the W overall is important because it teaches you, you can hear. You can hear from your body. You can hear for your body. It teaches you that you don't have to be deprived because deprivation triggers overeating. I've always joked that I do not like chocolate cake, but if you told me I could never have chocolate cake again, or there was a chocolate cake sitting there and and you said, you can have one bite and that's all you can have, then I would suddenly start craving chocolate cake. Now, that's the joke, but for real is I, I have experienced this often in my life, and that is I would go for seconds on something, especially a forbidden food. I would go for seconds even when I was no longer hungry, just because I felt like there was this rule that was saying, well, you know, you can eat it in moderation. You can have three bites of it. But if you want more than that, you can't have it. So I'm going to go ahead and have seconds or thirds or whatever. And we'll get into that a little bit more when we get into the stopping when you're satisfied. But that's one of the reasons we're eating things that we really don't want often is because of the fear of deprivation. I used to tell my mom, because like I said, I grew up in a house where dieting, that was what we did. And I remember telling my mom, it's easier to say no than to say stop. And I realize now that that wasn't true. That was what it felt like, but it actually wasn't true because that was only triggered by the fear of deprivation. I started dieting when I was nine years old. Prior to nine years old, I never had a problem saying stop to anything. I could have a half a vanilla wafer. I don't care. It doesn't matter. It it would be once the subconscious got the message that you can't have this or you can only have one of these, that's when it kicked in that, oh, it's better for me just to say no than to start eating and then and then have to tell myself to stop. That was after I started dieting at nine. And all of this, I remember going through, after my mom passed away, I went through her cookbooks. And the majority of her cookbooks have the, where, not where they have figured out the calories for you, but where mom had gone in and figured out the calories in the whole recipe and then figured out, you know, what it would be per serving or per half serving and Then, you know, how many calories were in a Hershey's Kiss and, okay, could you have two of them or just one of them? All this stuff around calorie counting and what you could have, what you couldn't have, how much of something you could have. That, before I was nine years old, was a non-issue for me. After I started dieting at nine, now suddenly all those things were kicking in, all that deprivation fear kicking in. And it's like I wanted things that I didn't really want. When you do that, when you put these rules and restrictions around you, food becomes magical. There's this high emotional charge around them. It's it's when cookies and pie and, and whatever it is you say, you know, I can have this just on special occasions 
or I can have this on my cheat day, or I can have this once a day, or in all these external restrictions, it gives it this touch of magic. It, I think about it like a concert that if you got the last tickets to a concert that you really wanted to go to, and somebody said, you know, hey, the concert sold out, but I've got these tickets, so you can buy my tickets, or I'll give you my tickets, or whatever, suddenly it feels more special. The concert would have been great and amazing anyway, but because you got the last tickets, because you got in, because somebody had these, it's all special now. If you just gotten the tickets a few weeks prior and gone to the concert, it would have been amazing. In this case, with food, it would have, you know, this dish, this food, whatever, it would have tasted amazing. But because there's limited supply, you can only have one or you can only have it once a week, now suddenly it's magical and there's this extra feeling that you get from it because of the scarcity. I hope that makes sense. Let me know if that makes sense whenever on social media, whenever I post about this. It reminds me also of a friend of mine who she was coming out of the diet mentality about the same time I was. And she related to me a story that she was at a family reunion Key lime pie was her brother's absolute favorite. And a couple of people had brought key lime pie. And she told her brother, hey, bro, there's some key lime pie over there. And he said, yeah, I know. I saw it. Well, aren't you going to have some? Mm, no. Well, it's your favorite. Why aren't you going to have some? That's, that's crazy. It's your favorite. Aren't you going to? And just like, no. And then he said this phrase that helped her and helped me start getting set free. He said, I know I can have it anytime I want it. And I don't want it right now. It had, yes, it was his favorite pie. It was his favorite dessert, but it had no extra specialness. He knew that the next day, if he wanted it, he could go to the store and buy it or make it and eat it. It just, it wasn't a big thing. Eating what you want teaches you that your desires matter. I'm going to repeat that. Eating what you really want not what deprivation's making you crave, not what is just there because it's mindless, but eating what you really want teaches you that your desires matter. And too often we play down our desires. We make certain foods mean that we're really disciplined and heroic, and other foods mean that we're undisciplined or bad or weak. I remember I was working with a mom of two girls, two little girls, and the big reason, yes, she wanted a good relationship with food. Yes, she wanted a better body image. Yes, she wanted weight management, which comes from intuitive eating and, and lasting because it's not dieting, yo-yo dieting. She said, but the main thing I want is for my daughters not to have the same bad relationship with food or the same bad relationship with themselves. That was a mic drop to me whenever she said that. It's like, yeah, it's, it's yes, it's about you as a woman, as a man, as an adult, but it's also about all those people who are following behind and watching you and learning from how you act. Think about the terms that the diet culture uses. Good food, bad food. What you should eat, what you shouldn't eat. Cheat days. Oh my goodness, cheat days. That's a th That drives me nuts. One of my clients, I remember when I said this particular phrase that I'm going to say to you, she, she stopped me and she goes, I've never thought about that before. And here's the phrase, food is not moral. Food is not a moral issue. And it's not. You are not 
disciplined and heroic or weak or undisciplined around certain foods. Food is just food. It's not moral. I remember one of the times that this really came through strong to me. I was in college going through therapy related to some of this stuff. And one of my assignments that my therapist gave me was to go to the middle of the college campus and eat an ice cream sandwich. I was terrified because I was thinking, all these people are going to be judging me. I'm going to be showing how undisciplined I am or whatever. None of that happened. In fact, people were coming up going, oh, my gosh, that looks amazing. Where, you know, where'd you get it? Now, I'm going to say, yes, sometimes people do judge. And corporate wellness, a colleague of mine in corporate wellness, she was in a, a location where she was working and she was drinking a soda. And she told me, she said, I could not believe how many people came up and going, I can't believe you're drinking that. It's a soda. From a nutrition standpoint, are we going to live on them? No, but it's a soda. So yes, sometimes people are going to judge, especially if they are hypersensitive around nutrition or if they are in the diet, caught up in the diet mentality themselves. But you still have to listen first and foremost to what your body is telling you. So I'm going to give you some questions, just like I gave you last week to think about around hunger. Here are the questions that are going to help you get free around what you really want. So the first question is, what do you really want and really want? And in episode 30, I talk about what to do when what you want is not available. So if you want something that's crunchy and something crunchy is not available, or if you want something hot and something hot is not available. So what to do with that? Question number two, if you believed that you could have as much of this as you want anytime you wanted it, would you really want it now? Think back to that key lime pie scenario of my, my friend's brother. If you believe you could really have as much of this, whatever it is, key lime pie, and you could have it anytime you wanted it, would you really want it right now? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Question number three, what do you believe that you can or cannot have? Is it true? And how do you know that it's true? Question number four, oh, this one really helps me a lot, is how do I want to feel in a few hours? Because if I'm thinking I really want something, maybe I do taste buds, whatever, really do want it, but I also have to say, how do I want to feel in a few hours? And then question number five is, if what I think I want is going to make me feel crummy in a few hours, what else can satisfy me? And sometimes this relates to not the particular food itself, but maybe the mouthfeel or the texture or the temperature. So if I am craving or feel like I'm craving a piece of chocolate and I know, mm, you know, that's got, I know for me, not everybody's like this for me. Late afternoon, if I have a piece of chocolate, that's actually enough caffeine that it's going to affect me because I'm really sensitive to caffeine. But sometimes it's that smooth mouthfeel, and so a little bit of peanut butter will do just the same satisfaction and won't affect my sleep. I'm getting ready to lead a seven-day challenge around intuitive eating. So make sure that you're following me on Instagram, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, to see when that happens, because I want all of these things we're talking about in these podcasts, this in this series, not just to be something that you hear. And even for the questions, I do want you to take one question a week and really dive into it and pay attention to it. But beyond that, I want you to experience intuitive eating, and we're going to do that in the seven-day challenge. So be listening, 
for that in social media as well as be listening for next week's podcast where we're going to be talking about my personal nemesis, slow and safer. Talk with you then. Thank you for joining me and investing in yourself today. Who else do you know who needs to hear this? Share this episode with a friend. And until next time, find your path to real wellness and fulfill your potential.